you, Roz. Well, hello, some bees. Um, I, I can't say it's good to see you because I can't see you, but I'm uh, in faith believing you're out there. Uh, and uh, everything's changed a little bit, hasn't it? And in the light of our changed situation, we decided that we would do something of a refresh on our program uh, and on our sermon series. And so in this time, the run up to Easter, we're going to have a couple of sermons uh, on uh, the most stunning passages in Isaiah, uh, perhaps the ones that encapsulate each portion of the book, that sum up each part of the book. So today we're going to look at Isaiah 30. Uh, then next week, we're going to look at Isaiah 43. Uh, on Good Friday and over Easter, uh, Isaiah 53. And then on the Sunday after Easter, we'll do Isaiah 61. Why are we doing this? Well, I'm aware that we live in an extraordinary time. Uh, we've seen fear rising, panic buying, people losing their jobs, and of course, people getting sick. Uh, there have been some really great reactions, haven't there? Uh, the NHS putting themselves in harm's way for the sake of others, sacrificially. And then hundreds of thousands of people volunteering to help out in the NHS. How incredible is that? But sadly, we've also seen some terrible reactions. Um, supermarket staff being attacked, NHS staff being mugged for their lanyards. There's huge anxiety around. Uh, and some have very significant financial worries. Fear is on the increase, just as sickness is on the increase. And of course, many of us are grieving our old lives. Do you remember the good old days when we could go out and go to a restaurant or a cafe where we could hang out with people, greet people with a hug, uh, when we could all gather together? Well, it's all changed, isn't it? The world's changed. We are in crisis. And sometimes it's really hard to understand and to cope with. Isaiah also spoke to a nation in crisis, a people who had rebelled against God uh, and were going to go through the most catastrophic implosion of their society. The background uh, to the early chapters of Isaiah is that they take place between the year 740 BC, the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. You remember those verses from Isaiah 6? And the year 701 BC, which was the year that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, laid siege to Jerusalem. Halfway through that period, in 722 BC, the northern kingdom of Israel was utterly destroyed by the Assyrians, never to rise again. But Isaiah is not prophesying to the northern kingdom. He is prophesying to the southern kingdom of Judah. And they were in trouble as well. They were a nation in crisis. And most of Isaiah's prophecy was a warning to them 
a warning from God and a warning to them uh, that they were in trouble. And as he does this warning, he does this amazing analysis of their situation. He sums up uh, the state that they were in. And he does that in no better way than in Isaiah 30. And Jane is now going to read uh, Isaiah 30 to us. So I'll just pass across to Jane. Good morning. Good morning. I'm reading from Isaiah 30, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces, not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Great. Thank you, Jane, for for that reading. Let's look at the passage. And uh, if you I would advise you to have it open in front of you, keep it open. That'll help you uh, navigate through this talk. So here Isaiah describes a society uh, like being a cracked and bulging wall in verse 13. As some of you know that uh, uh, a long time ago I used to be a surveyor and an estate agent. I remember one time I was inspecting a house and I was going down the side alley of the house and alongside me there was a 10-foot wall and suddenly when I looked up at the 10-foot high wall, I saw uh, that it started to sway in the wind. Um, 
And as a surveyor, I can tell you that walls swaying in the wind is not a good sign. Uh, uh, this, was, uh, this wall was going to suddenly collapse. Uh, and I can't tell you how quickly I got out of its way because that would have been catastrophic. Their society, the society based on Jer in Jerusalem, the, uh, the nation of Judah, uh, looked fine. Uh, things were going okay. It wasn't perfect, but uh, neither was it all bad. And they felt like they were in control. But suddenly, virtually without warning, it was going to collapse. In our own society, it wasn't long ago when everything felt quite secure. Uh, our politicians were sort of in command of the direction of our economy, or, or so we thought. Uh, our public services were running reasonably well. Uh, the police and the law courts were functioning appropriately. And of course, we moaned and whinged about it. But probably we felt pretty safe and secure and were able to look forward to the future with confidence. And like a wall that suddenly collapses, almost overnight, all this has changed. What do you feel insecure about? Uh, I want you just to take a moment to think about that, and it will just be a moment. Chat that over with whoever uh, you're with, or if you're on your own, uh, note a couple of things down on a piece of paper. Uh, what are the things that you feel insecure about in this current crisis? We'll just take a moment uh, on that, and then I'll come back uh, to you in about a minute's time. Okay, if I can gather you back. The things that you've noted down are probably things that you can take to the Lord in prayer and give to him. You remember that I said that the people of Judah felt like they were in control. So much so that they had turned their back on God. We can manage. We don't need God. We're fine sorting out our own lives. Thank you very much. Are we any different? Then uh, Isaiah gives a, another picture. And this is one that I'm going to demonstrate. Don't try this at home. I've got a extremely nice pot here. Well, it's uh, it's useless. It's useless. This pot's useless now. Completely smashed up. That's the picture that Isaiah gives. Their society was going to be smashed up like broken pottery that is no good for anything. 
Now, this is tragic because, uh, in fact, God was holding out his hands and saying to them, here I am. I'm here to help you, to care for you, to save you, to be your God and you be my people. What would their response be? Well, tragically, Isaiah reports in end of verse 15, but you would have none of it. And the people said, no, we'll flee on fast horses. We can manage. We can cope. We can do it on our own. We don't need God. So Isaiah says, so you will flee and your pursuers will be even faster and will chase you down. And you'll be so alarmed, so frightened that a thousand will flee at the threat of one until there's virtually no one else left. No one left like a solitary flagstaff on a mountain top uh, in verse 17. What a tragic scene Isaiah paints of the nation of Judah, a whole people, a whole nation reduced to running away until no one's left. And what was so tragic for them was that it was easily avoidable. Verse 18, it says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. They had abandoned God. And then their world had been turned upside down and yet still they didn't turn back to God now our world has been turned upside down how are we going to respond the change in the arrangements of daily life are that we've all experienced these last couple of weeks are so extreme so complete that one almost feels like our lives are like this pot. Just being completely smashed up. And what am I going to do about that? I can't stick it back together. It makes you reflect about what is really important in life. All the things that I thought were important have been stripped away, going to work, going to school, playing sport, going out to the cinema or a cafe or a restaurant, socializing with friends and family, hanging out together, going on holiday. What's left and what does it mean? I want to make a suggestion to you. Perhaps many of the things that we thought were important weren't quite as important as we thought they were. And maybe some of the things that we didn't take a lot of notice of, didn't spend a lot of time or energy on, perhaps those are the things that are really important. What about you? Are there things that you used to think of as important that you're now wondering, hmm, 
I'm not so sure. I want to uh, invite you to take a, another moment, like we did a moment ago, uh, take another moment to think about that. What are the things that you used to think were important, but now you're just wondering? Uh, you can chat to the, whoever you're with, or if you're on your own, note down on a piece of paper. And secondly, just also say, what are the really important things, the things that have floated to the surface that you realized that you now need to invest a bit more time and energy into? Just chat about that. I'll give you one minute to talk about that, and then I'll gather you back to bring this to conclusion. Okay, I'm going to gather you back now. Um, I wonder what you were thinking of important uh, in this new world. I think going for a walk in a park has suddenly become an important thing, isn't it? Now, back to our passage, Isaiah 30. In the middle of the passage, there is a pivotal verse. Uh, a key, uh, the key really to the entire chapter, perhaps even the key to life itself. It's verse 15. Did you notice it? Verse 15 says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. You see, when we're trying to do life in our own strength, in our own effort, uh, that is when we are weak. When we are trying to save ourselves, we end up exhausted, demoralized, and not saved. And when we're trying to run our own show, be governor of our own life, to rule our own little kingdom, it is destined to come crashing down like a cracked and bulging wall. And in the end, there won't be much left of our own efforts. But there is an alternative. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance means to turn around, to change the direction of your life, to turn our hearts and lives over to God. To rest in his forgiveness and in his provision for our lives, to quietly trust in him. Nothing else matters, not work, not school, not sport, not going out and socializing, not holidays, just quietly trusting in him. We have a word for that. It's called faith. Let us let me pray for us all. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Father, we ask that that verse would be true for us. 
that we would turn our lives over to you and trust in you and know a quietness in, and peace in our own spirit because we are completely and utterly giving ourselves to you.